0: If you've always wanted to support the show with your hard-earned cash, now's the time to pause, go to Patreon, and search out FNRAD. Join one of our tiers. You'll get ad-free episodes every week, one day early, plus more cool stuff. The Effin' Red Snowboard Podcast is presented by Skyview Campers. Never Summer's innovative take on the tiny home. Designed and built in beautiful Colorado, check out skyviewcampers.com. Wired Snowboards offers quality hand-built custom snowboards built and tested in the coastal mountains. Wired has built me several one-of-a-kind boards that have stood up to my daily shred habit. In fact, My first Wired chase is still my go-to pal board after seven seasons. Wired brings my imagination into existence. That's fucking rad. Check out wiredsnowboards.com and design yourself a board to last a lifetime. Fixed bindings are easy to adjust, long-lasting, high-performance bindings built to have less impact on the environment. Check out fixedbindingco.com rip curl outerwear strength durability and performance designed to search further in the snow head to ripcurl.com and check out the anti-series jacket i can't wait to rock this thing the boardroom snowboard shop best selection best prices vancouver's premier snowboard shop go to boardroomshop.com and use code fnrad10 to save 10 percent off your next purchase new greens organic, vibrant green juice. Buy yourself some at newgreens.com and use code FNRAD at checkout for 20% off. And for a chance to try New Greens for free, listen to the end of the show. Support also comes from Mount Seymour, Grouse Mountain, Cypress Mountain, the pro-standard GoPro accessories, and our friends at 1910. You can use code FNRAD at checkout for 20% off at 1910.com. Four months out from quitting my job as a mailman, and I haven't even started to look for a new job yet. That feels pretty good. So last Saturday, I looked at how far Nelson was from Vancouver, made a couple of calls and hit the road to collect a series of interviews with awesome people. Nelson's a sleepy mountain town at the heart of the Powder Highway. And my first stop was the Bald Face headquarters to interview their co-founder and entrepreneurial genius, Jeff Pensiero. Jeff worked for Glissade Snowboards and spent the early 90s shredding in Tahoe before migrating to BC to follow his heart and his passion for backcountry snowboarding. In 2002, Jeff opened Baldface with a group of investors that included Craig Kelly and John Buffery, as well as a handful of others, some you've heard of like Dave Grohl and some you haven't. 20 years later, Baldface employs somewhere around 100 people and some weeks of catboarding at the lodge are sold out years in advance. Baldface represents the best snowboarding on the planet and is on pretty much every true snowboarder's bucket list. Here's Baldface co-founder Jeff Pensiero.
1: Yeah, let's start with this. this. These things are the best. This is this uh, product called Magic Mind. You may have seen it on Instagram. They're doing a great job of getting the word out. But this is a friend of mine, Nate Warner, is helping these guys. And this is the, I think, maybe the new version of like an energy drink, like Red Bull or Monster or Rockstar. What's it called? This is called Magic Mind, and it's got uh, all sorts of good things in it, uh, but mostly matcha, adaptogen mushrooms, nootropic mushrooms, and uh, some nice vitamins in here. And this stuff gives you a nice little burst. It feels like my mind is carbonated after I drink one of these. Here we go.
0: That's the copy right there. Mm. Check, check, check,
1: and they're tasty little flavor bombs too. Magic mind, do more, check, stress check. less.
0: <laughs> What's the flavor? How's the f- you said? You they, tell me. They're, they're delicious. So what? is this? Do more, they're all the same? Stress less. It's all one. Yeah, it's
1: all one, and it's just like these guys are pretty tuned in, and their idea is like, it's like you know when you drink a energy drink and you kind of feel a. A bit Mm. of energy and clarity and all this kind of stuff. This stuff does all that, but without tons of sugar and caffeine and all that stuff. Oh, wow.
0: It's really good.
1: Yeah. And it's adaptogen mushrooms, which are really great, like lion's mane and uh, reishi. They're really great for repairing uh, uh, problems that you may have from, like we're going to talk about concussions and other traumas.
0: Good stuff. My favorite go-to for nutrition stuff is this guy, Dr. Andrew Weil. You ever hear that guy? Yeah. Big bushy beard. Yeah. Yeah. So he talks about adaptogen mushrooms and he has been for a very, very long time. Right. right? And, uh, and, and he talks about breathing, which is something that I heard you talk about mm-hmm. on the bomb hole as well. Like I, I can't believe how effective breathing is for mood stabilization for me in particular. It's, uh, yeah, well, you know, got to breathe. To live. (laughs) (laughs) What is your, you said that you do a breathing (laughs) exercise in the morning to get going.
1: Well, let's be, let's just go real talk. I have been doing this a long time and I've fallen off of the wagon. It happens, It happens. And uh, I'm really looking forward to getting back on it. It's really easy in the winter because my time is a little bit more mine in the winter time.
0: That and seems counterintuitive, actually. It does,
1: but I wake up in the morning up there, and I have like a half an hour, 45 minutes of just me time, and come on in. And it seems like uh, in the summer and when we're dealing with preseason and stuff, I don't have that time so much.
0: Okay. Yeah. So when did you fall off, though? Did you fall off during the winter? No,
1: <laughs> no. I was doing it pretty... I'm pretty
0: good with it, and I still do it. I just don't how, do it like as religiously as how I How long do is it?
1: Like 20 to 40 minutes.
0: Oh, okay. Because if it was like a two to three minute thing, I'm like, you should do it here and we'll cut it into a thing and you'll guide people through breathing.
1: Well, uh, (laughs) I think part of it's kind of like, you. if you discover it on your own, it'll mean more to you as well. And everyone has their own like version of what's going to stick. Yeah. So a lot of people have asked me about it after I talked about it on the bomb hole and stuff. And uh, I really... There's so many great
0: places to get the information. Oh, there is. Yeah, there really is. Yeah, so I do box breathing whenever I'm stressed, which is just in for four, hold for seven, out for eight. Mm-hmm. Um, Rasman talked about it on his episode, I think, at the bomb hole, actually. Yeah, box breathing's great. This is more like you
1: just get comfortable or lay down, and uh, you kind of... Easiest way to say it would be like you take repetitive deep breaths, and you concentrate on the inhale, and you concentrate on the exhale, and then you just stop. Twice, you stop on the inhale, and you hold. And twice, you stop on the exhale, and you hold. So you, I kind of look at it after reading um, Nestor's book called Breathe. I think of it less as pushing oxygen out to my extremities, as pulling carbon dioxide through my bloodstream into my lungs and then exhaling all the wow. stress and waste product that just comes from day-to-day stress and living. And so it's, I used to think about it like I'm hyper oxygenating my brain, the very ends and pushing it out. But now I think of it differently. And I think it's a natural thing to do of more like the carbon dioxide's like the, the sewer system of your, <laughs> breathing. It's like how we get rid of the waste product. And so I'm really trying to just pull that through my bloodstream into my lungs and then out on my exhalation. It's really cool. Breathing is a really cool thing. And, you know, like anything, you kind of get lit up about it for a while and then it can kind of leave. And then when you come back to it, it's still there and it's still super valid. But, you know, that's kind of how my life is, is like I get lit up about things and then uh, I really investigate it, get to know it, and then I can kind of take it and leave it from there. And I'm really excited because I'm, like I said, I'm getting my time back now Yeah, in the mornings. And uh, I mean, to be totally fair, I could, like last year I was doing it every day. For, I did it for a couple of years every day, pretty religiously. And if I didn't do it in the morning, I'd find time during the day to do it. But I'm doing some other things. Like I quit smoking uh, weed and stuff like that. So I'm like pretty focused on just that whole change, which has been really good for I me. I
0: remember now you, you uh, commented when I was doing the Instagram live with, who was I with? Was it Easton? No. It was oh no? It was just by myself. Yeah. And I was talking about my experience, and I'm like, I've got tons of friends that smoke weed every day. Yeah. You made a comment like, yeah, that was a tough one to quit or something. I can't remember the yeah. comment.
1: I but did. Was- uh, you know, I got. Uh, I started smoking weed a long time ago, and I've like, always like kid, like, kid, like Estelle's yeah. age. And uh, of course, that was not even weed by today's standards. That was like lawn <laughs>
0: clippings. It was not very strong. I grew some lawn. It was this Bud Light. Bud Light, and, yeah. and I kind of like it. I kind of yeah. like the yeah. not craziness of. But I've only had. I grew like I don't know an ounce of weed, three plants or something, and they were terrible. And yeah, I, you know, and I rolled one joint, and I've smoked it three times or something in the last three months it's, uh i'm, uh, I'm, I'm kind not, of an all or nothing yeah yeah
1: I'm yeah, sure, yeah. Guess, but but yeah. yeah i kicked it uh but i started mixing it with the tobacco tanner hall talks about it on his bomb hole yeah and that really resonated with me too where it's like after a while you realize you're just smoking you are and then right. i was like this isn't really me but it was me and then i used this uh so this is kind of what took the place for of the breathing for me was i um what's it called? Uh, neuroplasticity training, which is really interesting topic on its own, but I dove into this neuroplasticity retraining of my mind and basically reprogrammed myself and I became a non-smoker. And now when I think of smoking anything, I kind of think of it as like, if you were 54 and you had never inhaled anything in your life, why would you start
0: Right. That's right. kind of how I feel about it's it. It's the opposite like, of what you were just talking about, getting the toxins out of your body. Right. It's like you're loading up yeah. on toxins into your body. And the further I get away from it, the more I'm just like,
1: right, yeah, why would why would anybody start? <laughs> why right. would anybody start right. at this age? Right. You know? um, and that was a lot of work, to be fair. And so I think I used all that meditation and time with the breathing to get me to the point Where I could really make a really conscious decision, and I still struggle with it sometimes. But I'm I'm keeping it real. Wow, that's dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for sharing. And it's weird when you're successful at something like I can look back at 25 years of bald face now and be like, geez, I have like complete stoner and like keeping it together and making right. all these amazing things happen and getting all these accolades and pats on the back. And it's like, fuck shit's working. Like, why would I w- almost like, don't change anything. Like it's working. Right. And, um, which you know, is a very, does a, that to a, you, yeah, you know, addict kind
0: of mindset, totally. isn't it? Right. Totally.
1: But then, uh, you know, it's like a little bit of a different reality, but it's also like, You know, maybe I was even throttling myself back a little bit. Now I'm kind of starting on a couple new things that maybe I wouldn't have had the courage to do or uh, whatever before. So we'll see what's next.
0: That's really interesting. Life is
1: a really cool journey when you embrace all these changes and like choose your battles and that kind of stuff. I'm really enjoying that.
0: Well, your attitude seems to have um, sort of written the script or the skeleton script for what was going to happen in your life, right? Like it sounds like early on, you came up with this idea of like, hey, there are lucky people out there. What if I'm one of them? Right. And I mean, what a great thought for a kid, right? Like if there's a thought that I could give to my 24 and 20 year old right now is like, yeah, yeah, study the lucky people. Because, you know, people say that cliche luck is um, when preparation meets opportunity, right? Yeah. but luck is a mindset too, right? Like it's mm-hmm. if, it's gratitude. It's literally the gratitude mindset yeah. is to be like, what am I lucky about today, right? Even in the face of something terrible happening, yeah, you can you can use a luck mindset. Well, I think
1: you could just um, walk around and you know. Right now we're sitting here in November, Season's starting up. We're a little low on snow right now. People
0: are tripping. Are people tripping? I, I saw Tony Welch posted today. There's only been three seasons where there was no snow by Thanksgiving in the recorded history right. of wherever. Well, right. I was just right. up at the lodge and
1: went up with Enzo. He went for a little ski tour. There's like 60 to 100 seas up there. Like, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. And we've got uh, guide training and then risk maturity coming. And there's some snow in the forecast. You know, I'm not that worried about it. But, like, I've kind of been, unfortunately, but fortunately, really following what's going on in the Middle East right now. Oh, Wow. And it's so easy to find gratitude Mm. for what I do Mm. and where I live and be like, I'm not really going to sweat the snow in BC at Baldface right now. Right. I'm the luckiest guy. That's a real great. Problem to have compared to what a lot of people are going through right, right now, and right, even right. people in my community. And so I try to keep perspective. I think we all should. We slide around on little plastic toys in the mountains and find infinite wisdom and joy with our friends. Like yeah. we are, we have all put ourselves in a wonderful, wonderful uh, situation. What and a lucky we be super! Gra- what a lucky break, right? Yeah. To have
0: snowboarding hit when you were the right age. And then that it crossed your periphery and that you that you got that. Yeah. Right? Like when I hear you talking about Tahoe in the nineties, like pre allowed at the resorts Tahoe, like there's nothing more exciting than that, right? Like that, oh my God, last year, you know, I'm thinking Colorado, right? Arapaho basin opens and then the year that Breck opens, it just cracks the snowboard community wide open from all over the place. People just move from everywhere. It was crazy. And really what got me into snowboarding
1: was breaking my ankle skiing.
0: Mm.
1: How do you even do that? What? I was. You'd uh, have to break the boot. I had snowboarded a few times and had like an old wooden snowboard and uh, kind of did a little in Cleveland. I had a snurfer and would go like literally on the hill next to my house. It's like a toy. Yeah. And then went out to Idaho. My friend Kenny Wolford had a Burton back hill and we would take turns Hiking up the side of the road on the way to Galena summit, like literally mole, mole hills, right. Post holing through waist deep pow to Love just it. get a turn or two, you know? Yeah. In like a CB pullover jacket with like, you know, <laughs> jeans, like yeah, literally yeah, that's what yeah, we did. Yeah. So it was kind of that. And then I did a little in Colorado when I went to Colorado state, and we would go with Loveland and we would bring snowboards and do road shots going down to A Basin. I could see it. That's where we did that's, the snowboarding and then we'd go spot. skiing for the day. Good terrain in there. Yeah. And it was like kind of easy and no big deal. And, yeah. you know, yeah. one guy would drive the car and two of us would, you know, shred down. Yeah. And you have eyes on the guy the whole yeah, way. No big it's, deal. You're kind of yeah. right next to the road, but it was fun. And it yeah. was like a lot of turns. Lots. And yeah. then uh, went to Tahoe and was skiing at, I transferred to Sierra Nevada and was skiing at Squaw Valley. With my friend Dylan Farr and went up Siberia Express and sent it off of a cat road that's under the lift there.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: and like exploded my ankle when I landed. Oh, no. It was like shit. And it was pretty early season and I was pretty bummed. And he was friends with uh, the Kemper rep. Yeah. This was like year two or three with Kemper uh Mike Kaiser really nice guy and Sir. they wanted to go snowboarding all the time so he said will you sit in my Astro van and take people's driver's licenses and set them up so they what what boards were they were were the you FS, like FS the Kemper FS yeah okay okay yeah. and then the second year it was the Phantom and the Hetzel with the uh
0: trucks on the bottom so do they have inserts at that point yep that the hetzel does but the f fs, fs they did they had a
1: totally crazy like circular pattern yeah on like the and you could have pattern. like yeah so it oh, wasn't no, they had their own
0: one yeah right it wasn't infinite
1: no it was just you like had you had could a, have like <laughs> a lot of angle or medium or none yeah. yeah um yeah and so we did that and then uh and then it all just kind of started from there and it
0: was well that's fun too right you're still involved you're sitting in the van your people are like what the hell is this and you're like it was killer and then they come back and they're like wow where do i get one of these
1: yeah it was really fun and
0: uh they could only go
1: on a couple runs at high camp squalls like a or sorry palisades now is a Tram that goes up, yeah, and then there's a high camp area where there's some shorter lifts up yeah. high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could ride a couple of those, and then you could ride the the mountain run all the way down.
0: So on a pow day, it's, there's good terrain, and there's not. But it was very limited. It, you weren't allowed to yeah, go on all stuff. Yeah. And the
1: cool thing was, there were guys there then, um, who would sh- like I don't know if they shoveled them out or not or what it was, but like the side hits on the mountain run in the '90s were <laughs> crazy. And you would just see guys on this pretty shitty equipment, like, like Hetzel, you would actually see Andy Hetzel and Palmer and those kind of guys, Jimmy Halepoff and like going to the moon off of that, off of those side hits. It was crazy.
0: Yeah. When I heard you talking about it, I was like taken right there. Like, because I moved to, I moved to Vancouver in 93. So like 93 at Baker, you're going to see Jamie Lynn, you're going to see. Tex and you're gonna see Craig and you're gonna see Fulton yeah. and Bass, like you're gonna see these unbelievably rank wits up there, like yeah. unbelievably top-tier pros riding so fast at this mountain. And the yeah, like watching Jamie hit a side hit, it wasn't even like you could you couldn't wrap your head around it. Unfathomable. Like you'd be looking at it going, oh that's a skier jump to flat, and then he would gap it to a landing that you're like oh my god yeah how is that even possible so yeah you guys up in tahoe you've got noah you mentioned Corey octune Corey was really good Corey's. darren single would
1: come down from canada uh i mean that all those standard guys would come down to shoot with the hatchets right and so they would just session there and up at uh Jabassic Park. of oh uh Boreal. Boreal, Brett singer yeah. put yeah. that together.
0: Sick. Yeah,
1: those were some neat days for sure, man. It was wild.
0: So you're in the scene. Is your ankle healed by this time? When was the ankle Kind of. Yeah, it was like it healed up. No big deal. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think just
1: where I came from and how I got there, a lot of those young guys were pretty dedicated to skateboarding before they ever got into snowboarding. That's true. And I was not a good skateboarder at all. You know, I could, like, kind of pump around trannies in the park and stuff, but I'm no skateboarder. Yeah, yeah. So, I think just in the birth of snowboarding, there was either, like, you had skateboarding skills or you did not (laughs) have skateboarding (laughs) skills. And I was on the, I did not have the
0: skateboarding skills. I, I just had a conversation with Devin Walsh because we were at Wired and the boardroom crew was there. And somebody asked me, you know, method, do you grab between the bindings or on the nose? And I was like, I've heard it's on the nose right as close to the bindings as you can. And then I was like, well, why don't we look and see where Jamie grabs it? And then I was like, Devin's right here. Why don't we just ask Devin? Yeah. So Devin said, it's always between the bindings because of skateboarding. And I went home and I was kind of like, well, the king has spoken. You know, it's between the bindings. And then I realized I like it outside the bindings because that's pure snowboarding. You can't grab your nose like that on a skateboard. There isn't that. That's not there. Right. Yeah, that's true. When you think about those iconic images of like Terry Kidwell, Sean Palmer, all the Sims days, like guys are grabbing their mutes. Damien. Uh, Damien and and Dana and and TB and all those dudes are grabbing the tip because they're snowboarders. So I think... You grab it wherever the fuck well, you want. I think first there's of two, all, there's like, but I
1: there's love There's two kinds of that. people who jump off of shit on snowboards. Yeah, there's all the people whose names you know who have had like pro models and things. Sure, like Jamie, Trav, Nicholas, all these people that we were just talking about. Devin, and what happens with them? DCP. I can go down the list because I've talked to all of them about it. Cool. But when they leave the earth time slows down for them Mm. and they feel like this like opportunity when mortals like me leave the earth it's like a bird falling out of the nest back down to the ground like gravity (laughs) hits me a little bit harder so if i can even like get a grab let alone (laughs) think about style or tweaking that's like a bonus round for me if i get enough that i'm like oh yeah I'm like doing it, but those guys make it look so freaking easy and they take it for granted across the board. This otherworldly <laughs> sense to slow down time when they're in the absence of gravity, where me, Gravity's like, oh no, you motherfucker, get back down here. <laughs> you know, I don't know what it is, but no,
0: I hear you a hundred percent. What a privilege yeah. again to yeah. be able
1: to think of like what's more important, grabbing in front of the binding or in right. between the binding. Right. Like Jesus, I don't know. Like any way you
0: do it, you pretty pretty dope, right? Know? Absolutely, We're pretty, pretty stoked. Oh, you grabbed your board. That's now that it's, I'm getting old. That's a big deal. It's the landing that really is the. <laughs> that's
1: the moment where that feels. Really I
0: dope. was having. I was struggling at Holy Bowlie to just find a flow line yeah. i had started kind of going straight down the middle and then i broke myself off on the little there was like just a little yeah. pancake volcano that it is really technically difficult when it's hard it, it's just a technically difficult feature to hit and i was confident on my landing caught my heel edge fly swattered swacked my head and i i ended up following you the next day down what you called an old man lap which had significant air compared to what i was trying yeah. to do the day before but also a level of safety that i was like oh thank god what a good yes i, I find smart like when yes. i go to holy bully or yes.
1: estelle's thing i'm not really looking at the air i really love to f- even in power, especially in pow like I shoot for the perfect landings. And that's Mm. what Trav really taught me that a lot when we were building Supernatural because all those features are not arbitrarily placed on the mountain. Right. He found the landings and then built the perfect jump Mm. to the natural Mm. landing. That's the game uh, on that thing. And that was the magic of that course. That course Those landings were were
0: money. That course is gnarly. Yeah. And I think we saw it as a, community the difference between when the conditions are dead on perfect and when they're off a little bit mm-hmm. those things are so huge and you're going so fast yeah that they're like it's it's more of a challenge than even i mean i probably couldn't ride anything on there you'd anyways. be surprised i mean
1: um you can find cool lines all over the place. It's your choice on how fast you go off of them or whether you kind of go off the side or whatever. Cause it's, right. it's again, it's like if you can pick the, the right tranny, you can find it. If you can see it, you can get there generally speaking. Right. Which is right. really cool
0: about that thing. I think one of the coolest things about it is that it's an evolution of this idea that you had from experiences with the old, guard backcountry lodges that to me really spoke to me because i've talked about privilege like i've had the privilege of going the first year i moved to vancouver i went with whistler heli i've done cat at several operations probably three powder mountain there was this powder bug guy in manning park that was or uh hemlock valley where we did yeah. the backside of hemlock that was fun i know i've been in a cat oh at uh the one at Trout Lake. Oh my God, their oh, tenure northern so good. Their yeah. tenure is so insane. We gotta get you out to Valhalla. Oh, I can't even wait. Like I, 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 yeah, and then so then also I've had heli a heli experience in a A star like fifteen runs in a day, which I don't think many people get that kind of a uh, that kind of a day, like a perfect day. Mm-hmm. Like there's, I, I've never, I can't even imagine topping that day. That day That's was great. insane. Yeah. And then CMH, I had a friend who was a lodge manager, so I did two guest five days at CMH. Like, so I've had these yeah. experiences that are epic, uh, like absolutely next level. Um, I forget where I was going with that. I'm I'm so
1: snowboarding's fun. That. We're very lucky. <laughs> oh, privileged, right? Oh, yeah. So then, oh, in, you were
0: talking about the course being a uh, evolution of spending time so in the backcountry. All of those operations, every single, I just every one I just mentioned with the exception of powder bug was just a dude and he let us ride on top of the cat to scope our lines on the way up which was hilarious and fun yeah. and um powder mountain snow cats sorry ken but it was an amazing amazing operation yeah. when i uh, when i went there because they did cater to snowboarding they didn't do the dumb thing where you know the skiers stop Somewhere where you've got a post hole as a snowboarder so they can point and laugh, like literally making fun of snowboarders. Yeah, that doesn't happen in my place. Yeah, no, that, and, and the fact that it could even still happen is, it's kind of shameful actually because it's dangerous. Yeah, that's unacceptable. And when somebody's paying, that kind of money to have an experience. Don't even get me started, Eric. Yeah, yeah no, but this you're is, gonna is where I'll fire you're gonna yeah, get yeah, me yeah. All fired up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but okay. So now, going from that, now you have your tenure, and now all of a sudden the community comes out. You got Travis Rice there saying, "What if we built the ultimate features mm-hmm. in your tenure? Right? Like, is that? Am I right on that kind of evolution? That?" Mm -hmm. You've now you've got the community visiting and all of a sudden there's these ideas perking around going, wait, what if we make built features on the,
1: I would love to take more credit for it than I deserve. (laughs)
0: But honestly,
1: I just tip my hat to Travis, like in all reality, we had gotten to know each other a little when he was filming around here. And I was in all, you know, I was like, God, Travis is a hell of a specimen, you know? Hell yeah. And uh I was a big fan already when I when I met him, and that was when he was filming that's it, that's all. And uh then he came to me with this idea, and we actually looked at a bunch of he was looking all over the place, and then it was like it kind of started happening. It was a lot like with Craig, like, what about this place? Oh my god, maybe it might be right here. Wow, that would work. But then like the lodge collapsed, and I had to rebuild the lodge that summer. And uh, I was like, yeah, Trav, can we push this off for a year? And he is not a person to push things off at all. Right. And like, I give him tons of credit. Like I helped get the team together. I worked hard to get the permits together. Uh, I did a lot of behind the scenes stuff. And and that's what I do is like create teams and give them the tools they needed to do it. But it was, that's Trav and a guy named Moss Patterson, a guy named Chris Beattie. Um, these guys who
0: built the actual features were absolute jedis right in what they did because they'd done uh, they'd done years at uh jackson with natural features and was it the first year at Baldface that they put yeah all that stuff in yeah it and was, i i remember yeah. the seeing the it was either on social media it must have been social media where they were building it and it was like oh people were tripping. oh my god this yeah. is gonna change the world and it did yeah, yeah. we
1: were all tripping when we built it Uh, But that was kind of ancient history, and it's uh, (laughs) evolved quite a bit from there, and I think there's like new stuff, and they're doing it in Revelstoke, and Dustin Craven's been building some stuff, and I think it's going to come out this year, and it's going to be, it'll, you know what, it'll be like, all right, this is where we left it, and you know, Dustin's quite a creative dude, and Trav gave him, uh, apparently, you know, license to really create something, so I'm like, on the edge of my seat and it's neat to be old and be like, there's my contribution. Now I'm really excited to
0: see what the next thing is. And it's the one thing that I sit and watch. It's the one thing that it's when it's in my schedule, it's on my feed. And then I talk with the other old guys about, you know, what it was like back in the day and you know what it's like to watch in long form, unedited, you know, live format and then the edited thing and yeah it's Mm -hmm. uh it it's something that i resonate with because it all it still seems kind of attainable you know that imaginary you that is like i could probably run a 720 still you know (laughs) Uh and then you look and you go that you know since i was a kid and watching the tv movies i had this ego where it was like those guys are just lucky because they're where the snow is, with a good jump and a good landing. You know, if I was there, I yeah. would, I would do that. Then you go to Baker and you go, oh my God, no! Yeah, they're superheroes. They're superheroes. Yeah, yeah. Jamie Lynn pr- more more than most. Jamie probably is- maybe more than ever a- anyone.
1: Yeah. Well, Jamie's like. Um- I mean, I don't know what we're talking about in this interview, but like (laughs) Jamie is uh, like Jerry Lopez in that the mindset of like, he 100% uh, is present in the moment and is manipulating that moment so that he can have, you know, this like supreme control over his place in the world at any time. And I really think I, I can draw such a, Comparison between those two because I have the, so much respect and I love them both dearly, and they are just such great people. But when you watch Jerry snowboarding and you watch Jamie snowboarding, mm. you can just see this like peace and ease and joy that is so enviable and like really why anybody would do it. The fact that Jamie can do, you know, crazy tricks, styly tricks, tweak himself around is just like Jamie bonus stuff (laughs) like jamie is just as much fun to watch i did a trip to alaska with him this year and we were like partners riding crazy stuff with the best crew ever and it was so fun just watching him you know he just had a kid so he was toning it down a little bit which was still pretty tuned up as far as terrain goes but he's just so comfortable with it it's so
0: chill and and it it's so
1: fun being with someone like that yeah Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, you've mentioned – one of the things I'd love to talk about is um, Eric Blem's got a book coming out about Craig, and I Mm -hmm. think it's a seminal book. I'm looking forward to reading it, and I feel
1: like my time with Craig was – it was really special and really like a gift and really like important, and somehow I feel like the more I talk about it, it's like – I, I just kind of, I've said what I have to say about it and I want to just respect the memory for what it is and not yes try to get anything out of it or misrepresent anything. I just, it was, my time with Craig was like, what the fuck is happening in my life right now? I'm mm-hmm. going to be grateful and enjoy this and, and really try to make this happen. And then when he passed, I was like, I use that as rocket fuel. Like, fuck man, I gotta do this. I can't fail now. I cannot fail all his memory and all this stuff. So I think that's just kind of where I want to leave it. And it was awful when he passed away and it left a huge wake. And at the end of the day, in a weird way, I'm super grateful that I got to experience all of it for sure. Right. But I'm also aside from what I just said,
0: definitely don't want to like, tarnish the memory yeah 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 Yeah. yeah. the and sad profoundly sad like i can't even imagine you live your life and
1: craig's not the only one i've lost some friends and uh it's uh, you know it's like i don't know we all know what it is It, it sucks whether you lose a friend in an avalanche car crash addiction cancer you know you get older they just start stacking up and uh you try to just like hold on to the really good, the pain goes away and the grief goes away and it's replaced with this. Like I kind of feel like I got a little chorus of angels behind me, like cheering me on as I move into my later stages and I'm so grateful for it. But I also wouldn't want to offend any of my, my guardian angels by not remembering something right. Or I,
0: I, I feel like Eric's book opened up uh, a window into a different type of person than what I had told myself Craig was. So the story I had told myself was that he was a um, competitive freestyler, like that went into the backcountry kind of at the tail end of a, of a competitive career and kind of went, ah, these competitions sort of suck. And just let's make pow turns. But from a very young age, he was an extremely engaged outdoor like lover of the outdoors like a guy like john summer and winter right right summer winter everywhere in the world and i think you know pivoting off craig i think that there are a lot of those people behind the scenes making snowboarding what it is like who are the guys that picked palisades as a tenure or the people that picked you know, uh, bald face. It's like you guys going out there mm-hmm. and actually looking at the different options that you have and rolling around in your head. Okay. Where can we, where can we really get rad? Um, and I don't think a lot of people think about that. I think we, I don't know. I don't. I I take for granted. It's like I'll go and be like two hundred and ten dollars for a lift ticket. Go fuck yourself, right? Like, or even I to to bring it more personal. Like I said to Dano, dude, you're going to Baldface again. Count me in. I'm going. And he goes, here's how much it costs. And I went, I'm not going with you on that. <laughs> it ain't cheap. <laughs> I'm not going. I sorry, yeah. I can't afford it. But and that's no disrespect to what it is. What it, it is is an exclusive experience that if you can afford it you need to go yeah or if you have a rich friend that'll take you is a really good way to oh go the too. best uh, the best right
1: yeah i mean it's not even that it's like it's it's crazy because now we have the two operations and so the yeah. is pretty attainable cool and is kind of like it's it's back to the rootsy experience over there it's a long drive in and out there's a lot of bullshit associated. You know, you're like <laughs> screwing around for two, three hours to get seven, eight hours of shredding in, you know? Got it. It's kind of like the old days where you got on a ski bus and went to wherever it is. And then yeah. you get out, and you got to put your boots on and this and that. But that's what ballface used to be. Cool. For years. And it's still priced accordingly. But you start adding a $20 million lodge at the top of the mountain with the food right, and the right. helicopters in and out and everything. It, like the price of things has gotten bananas. And I am so grateful that there's still enough customers to be able to do it. And what's kind of cool about Baldface is like, well, there's a lot of things that are cool about it. I'm happy <laughs> to say, it. but 25 years later, we're, we still pour money back into that operation. Dope. And we're opening new train and cutting more trails and glading and buying new cats that are tier five cats that have less. I mean, we're constantly improving yeah. that thing. And that's why it's expensive is because it's not really done yet. Like, I don't know when it's going to be done, but like the amount that we put back into that business every year is, is staggering to me. And that's why I think people love coming back every year to be like, what'd you do this year? What's the new, what's new? What's this? What's that? And so uh, that it is expensive. There's no doubt about it. And it's really hard to get in because it's an awesome experience. Um, Valhalla still has some availability on the shoulders. It fills up everybody. It's starting to be the same thing all over again, where everybody rebooks that seat. They're like, this really works for me. It's not my birthday or my kid's birthday or my anniversary or this holiday. And, when you have your little window to get to a cat or heli spot, usually you're like, this really works. And you keep rebooking it and getting in there. And So the cool thing is we put a third cat on it. Mahala opened up a bunch more terrain this year. That opened up. So we opened it up to all the bald face customers first, and they pretty much booked it out. So oh, wow. We'll Amazing. get you in there.
0: Yeah, I. Uh, that's one of the things I was thinking on the way up. I think years ago, I contacted you about Craig for the Craig episode. And we didn't do a full episode. I was looking through to see because I wanted to go through and listen. And yeah, we, we talked, talked on about. the phone. Yeah, we talked yep. on the phone. That's right. And at that time, I was like, I've got Jeff's cell phone number. I'm definitely taking an, a crack at this. And I'm sure I sent you some messages about um, the risk, um, risk maturity. maturity. Yeah. Um, and just like, hey, if there's a seat and you're like, oh, my God, the lo- the lineup of people that I have. That it and I've seen it at CMH. Yeah, like you've got staff first and foremost. Any empty spot, a staff member is going. Oh yeah, they go all the time. Like
1: that. we build the cats big enough so there can always be a staff member in them. That's dope. Yeah, so there's always like there's usually always somebody in there. Yeah. And, you know, managing that can get a little challenging sometimes because like everybody wants to go, but then sometimes you hire people and you don't know that they like, don't actually know how to shred. And oh, wow. Like, yeah. You're like, Oh, yeah. okay. That was your one day. <laughs> yeah. You can't be, you can't be slowing <laughs> things down like that. Uh, and then you get other people that are just so keen Frosting. and so hot to go. Yeah, And, uh, you know, you get the dishwasher, that's the young guy and you finally put him in the cat and he's like, <laughs> sending it like his life to pet you're like dude you need to throttle you still Throttled need to watch the ditches tonight. yes like yes you can't break yourself off out here so uh I had a fun time
0: out. at CMH I went to monashies twice as oh, a yeah, guest a and uh the lodge is amazing the experience is incredible and I would just be the happy guy in the lodge yeah so I went on a very low snow year the first time but I was so happy after- Which year 2013. Every- Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it was horrible. Yeah. It was really bad, but yeah. we found amazing snow for me. the th- Oh yeah. And the thing I was going to say on the way up, I'm like, I have matured to the point where I have no desire to like sneak my way in to a bald face or a Valhalla experience. Hey, I'll ask the, I'll ask the listeners of the show, like, where should we go and have, you know, that's six what of, we should do. Six of them show up. We used to
1: do this vintage snowboard trader
0: trip. Oh, at remember, yeah. Dow went on it. So many people I know went on that trip. That trip they loved was,
1: it. and we did it like three or four years in a row. And it was like killer. It was so fun. Patterson broke himself off at <sighs> that one time. Nice. It was such a great trip. And uh, they booked a cat at Valhalla this year. Oh, And they're nice. kind of bringing the group back together That's again. Dope. And I'm so stoked that they are. And yeah. it's like- Once we can kind of get the commitment and be like, all right, we're going to do this every year, then it's really easy to keep it going. And I'm not letting it go at Valhalla. Dave Martin, I'm talking to you. You're keeping that trip. And I want to make sure I can help
0: Uh, grow that
1: one. Because that's really important that we keep space for that kind
0: of stuff. Yeah, for sure. But
1: that vintage snowboarder trip is really what turned into risk maturity. Oh right, that because it was frame, yeah, It's
0: early. It's early. Yeah. Right, right, right. It's like it's a roll of the dice, and like, that's been going for ten years now. And we oh to wow, that's great. Yeah, that's yeah. super good. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I bought a sled for a year, and I found that having access to way better terrain for me didn't increase my personal satisfaction with snowboarding. I think I might be a small mountain snowboarder. I don't know. I, is the first time I've you ever. You might be a powder so, surfer. You, sure. I might be, a powder, be a powder surfer. I just find when I'm in the big terrain, which I love, by the way, mm-hmm. would, it, you know, I would take it every day, a hundred percent, but it wrecks the rest of my year being at a small little <laughs> mountain resort. I love that little grind for like watching the snow report, getting right. up, getting ahead of the group, getting there before the crowds getting 10 runs of untracked and then being at home, making breakfast at my house at like 11 o'clock. Yeah. You know? I don't know what any of that means. Oh dude. It's so amazing. Yeah. <laughs> just riding. Yeah. It. No, no waiting. Yeah. Every lap is just at, you know, of high speed quad to the top, great terrain that you're familiar with. It changes throughout the year with the snow levels. So it's really exciting. That, which morning. mountain is that? Um, I go to all three, like Cypress, Grouse, Cyprus, and, Cyprus, Grouse yeah. and, and Seymour. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I'm. I mean, I like it. I love it. I gotta come visit you. That's oh, like you gotta, gotta come, come and to, ride. Uh, We've uh, got yeah. passes for you. Bring Estelle. I have not yeah. been. I really do want to get around. And oh, dude, gotta you gotta do it. Yeah. Sure. yeah, you haven't been to Whistler. That's no, I've nuts. never
1: shredded a day at Whistler. <laughs> Mountain bike there. We gotta go yeah. with
0: Ken Ock Yeah, and just ride Whistler. I know the right one of these way, days I but need there is to. no right way anymore. Yeah, like I, I don't. Uh, barring some weird act of God. Or like I don't know, would Vale do like a have the mountain to yourself for an hour or something? I, if they had that, you know, I
1: I don't even know. <laughs> I can't remember the last. I mean, I go to Whitewater a couple times in the winter, but like I, mm-hmm. yeah, when I have a day off now, I I really value not putting snowboarding boots on when I have a day off, it feels so good to wear shoes in the, in the winter. Cause it's literally wake up in the morning. Yep. Stretch eat breakfast, snowboarding boots on snowboarding boots on like 10, 12 hours a day. Yeah. Take boots off, put them back on the next day. I I run three pair of boots. What boots do you ride? Well, funny enough. uh, I'm like, I I like my boots. I don't want new boots all the time. Me too. So we did a collab with Vans and Mm -hmm. they let me design a boot which was great. And it's like Homer Simpson when he's designed his car. (laughs) So I got my dream boot out of Amazing. So I have two pair of those and I go on and off. And then I have two pair of the first year leather Arthur Longo boots Mm -hmm. that are soft. Mm. And those softened up a bit. So I'll wear those. It depends on the day. Like I won't go touring in the really soft boots. I like the bald face ones a little bit better for that. And I use those uh, Union Rovers uh, with the POW Surfer. Yep. So I have a pair of Vans uh Voli Nivell Surfing boots that I, I wear I in that setup. That they're, are, they're epic boots. Yeah. So uh yeah, that's what I use. But I try to not ride in the same boots every day. You, I find they last like, you can get like four or five years out of a pair of Truth. boots if you don't put them on wet. Yeah. If you let yeah. them dry out. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah.
0: Do you run stock liners in those things? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, if you want some intuitions, just let me know. I'll I've send you a they pairs. They're, but, they're uh, really nice.
1: Yeah, the Vans did this liner. I can't remember what they call it, like Infuse or something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's like their super high end liner, and they put it in the bald face boot. And I'm telling, I have, I bet I have 120, 130 days in the one pair. Amazing. And it's a, it's getting a little bit worn, but it's like good to go.
0: Yeah. I and I kind of bo- suck too, which helps
1: because I'm not like tweaking out. Like I'm not landing giant airs, in. I'm just going and working every day. But you're twelve
0: you know? hours a day in these yeah, boots, so in that, them a lot. yeah, that's yeah. that's incredible. That's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, amazing that you get to design product. What's the union binding that you guys designed? That's a uh, Falcor base, which is
1: Travis's base. Yeah, and then uh, some other t- t- like to be perfectly honest, Johan uh Malkowski knows uh better than I do what I want and then he just gives it to me and he's like I got you these straps with this high back and this and Martino he's the guy over in uh Lake Como or some beautiful place in Italy and he like eats grapes and thinks about me and designs (laughs) these bindings and those guys at Union are so spot on their product is great and uh I like the bald face binding is a great binding but like I all their binding I don't know all their bindings are Sick. pretty awesome yeah uh you know i've written the now bindings as well hats off to jf and the team over there because that's a great product i mean tell me what's a what's a shitty product these days
0: well i, think, I don't even know i think I, you have to go down a tier yeah. right like so there is the um the like you know canadian tire store now has like you know, snowboard old yeah. snowboard brand names okay. like Avalanche or whatever where they just make, you know, the whole board with bindings is 129 oh, bucks or go. something, right? Because, like, the stuff I'm getting and I see people in up there, I just
1: don't really see a lot of, like, yeah. really,
0: like, awful bad product that Dude, doesn't work. When we were young. You know, years we're, ago, it was like, shit didn't work. It's cool when they sh- shoot a, f- you know, Bud Fawcett shares, like, his slides that didn't get printed, right? Now he's so, oh, oh, and, and then weird. you're when you're looking at a crisp Bud Fawcett shot and the boots and the bindings buckles are, are undone, you're like, "Oh my god!" I, I you forget that that's what we were up against. Yeah, like literally, your Sims bindings just flapping open, your feet coming out of your surrals and walking down to get your board and your socks. Oh, yeah. Like that happens. Yeah, yeah. breaking snowboards was a thing. Breaking boards, yeah, yeah. That several. Doesn't really happen anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 I remember. Division twenty three just falling apart, but you wanted that board. They were the boards that you wanted. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh yeah, you worked for Glissade. I did. I sure did. And crap, we sold those boards. Crap. Did not fall apart. No, no, we sold. Those boards crap. are still still riding good. The Crapple board. I'm, I've now I've put There's my. one in the bathroom one. downstairs. Oh, you found one. You yeah. got one. Tyler
1: Brawley sent me one. for So family. sick. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Like a lot of times on the show, I think Scope was talking about it. Yeah, he asked. If anyone knows where my first board is, like, give it back. And you got it back. Scooped it. Yeah, because oh, listeners nice. are just, they're Have tuning it. in and going, oh, yeah, I got that in my closet. Here you go, buddy. Nice. Which is awesome. Yeah. The community's great. Snowboard community is really, really good. In no small part due to your efforts to nurture it at that, at that high end. You know what I mean? And I've heard you talk about ILSA, like the Indigenous Life Sports Academy. You'll be talking with Court later on tonight. Nice. And you can use the office if you. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I'll ask him what's, uh, I'll ask him where where he's at. He's a nice guy. One of the nicest. He's a
1: bridge builder. He's a really interesting dude. I'm looking forward to hearing your uh, podcast on him. I think, Um, you know, one of my. Uh, goals is to try to like seek out and identify guys exactly like court cool, you know, or like Demian or like uh, I don't want to take credit for other people's hard work, but like, I, I, I know that I have opportunities that I can share with the right people. And if you are careful and really like pick the right people to work with and give them great tools, you can do things like supernatural and courts. One of those guys that's like, I was talking about Travis, Give him, give him a canvas. He's going to make some beautiful art. Right. Quartz, exactly another one of those guys. Then. Unbelievable, yeah. Um, and I'm learning so much from him. Um, you know, like, like I'm from Cleveland. And when I meet someone from Cleveland, like John Colonna, who runs K2, like, or Elevate, we, we kind of speak the same language. Mm. And we have a similar process on how we found, you know, success and failure and learned. And it's like, as an indigenous leader, young indigenous leader, I'm learning that his language is a lot different than mine and his process is a lot different than mine, but his heart is a hundred percent the same, like we are in the same place about trying to create opportunity for people. And so it's been really cool learning from him, like another way to look at things. Uh He's a very thoughtful, very well-spoken guy to be in the position he's in
0: the Indigenous Life Sports Academy and the listeners of this show will have heard about it because all the fundraising that we do, most of it has gone to those guys because they're local for us. And they started in North Vancouver with a goal of sending an Indigenous kid to the Olympics, which was dope. So they've been doing it a long time. We're
1: working uh, together and it's a slow process making change, but we are working together to create opportunities because they they basically get lift tickets and gear and lessons for kids that maybe indigenous kids that maybe wouldn't get the opportunity to go to Whistler or to go to Seymour or go to whatever. And it's like this really cool program, reminiscent of the Chill program or the Learn to Ride program. And like awesome. But then we were talking and Mikey is Court's kind of partner in all this stuff. And like they really love snowboarding. Like oh, yeah. they and they're pretty good, you know? Oh hell yeah. And it was like, we need to kind of level this thing up and start creating some opportunities for these indigenous youth to become guides Mm. and get some subsidies and some opportunities so they could take the CAA level one, the ops one, they could take the CSGA classes. And we're slowly finding um, ways they're actually doing a pre-level one on the coast for indigenous youth through ilsa with the csga this year which is really cool and looking at creating some bursaries and some opportunities for those people coming up uh because that's like that's kind of a perfect case scenario really is if we can create inroads that's a that's who i want guiding me around is somebody who has a uh ancestral tie to the land who understands the geology from a like cellular level, yeah. you know, as opposed to, and I love all my guides from Ontario and everything, but like, <laughs> yeah. you right. know, right. having somebody who's like ancestors were here, that's like, a, I think that adds another layer of yeah. authenticity to the experience. So, landkeeper's It's going to take right. some time to create these, but, you know, Court's kind of the, you get an idea and then you're like, Court, you think we could do it? And his first thing, he's like, hell yeah, what do we got to do? Let's roll up our sleeves, start figuring out how to make it happen. I know this guy, you know, that's how we do it.
0: That's very cool. Yeah, yeah. I've I've definitely had eyes on that. I had this guy, Steve LaRossier from stoked.org. He was the founder there. Just kind of explain to me, look, you you think that the shortcut is getting stuff to happiness, sorry. Um, But it's not, it's giving it away, right? Like, so um, you can test that any listener can test that. It's like, do you feel better when you get the newest iPhone? For maybe for a second you're kind of excited, then you're like scared it's going to get stolen or you're going to break it or you're going to fuck it up. But you instantly get this warm feeling when you share something especially, when you give your old one away to especially someone, especially if yeah. it's something that you see value in. Yeah, right. Like that's a whole different economy. It's the economy of feeling good, yeah. and uh, and we're on a we're on a different trajectory as a as a culture as a as a society. We're on a like build a legacy, right? Hey, you don't want your kids not to inherit something, right? So get as much crap as you can. And then you're like, but I wait. warn the kids. I'm like, there's
1: nothing. I'm burning this thing out. Like, <laughs> there's, you're on your own kids. Dad's spending it, it all. Like, <laughs> selling going to be it, the happiest 70 year old oh, ever. I'm just going to be like, look at the, is he wearing Versace? What's he doing? And they'll say, I don't know. I had to spend the money on some. The quirky
0: dude. Yeah. I just funny. met, uh, Paul Rick Alden. Oh, now that's a
1: quirky dude. Wow, love that guy. Yeah, his energy is like through the roof. Yeah, he's amazing. I saw him at Mecca there. Yes, so oh, Rick, that's he, right. Rick yeah. used to book the whole lodge for Skull Candy, and these were like epic trips. Amazing. Scotty Whitlake out huh. there with Mikey, and like the, the, the crew was crazy. Those Skull Candy trips, and there's Jeff. Curl and Rick Alden kind of at the helm, and Luke Edgar was working there then. Yep. And uh and then Rick kind of went off and did his his other things, and life gets in the way. And I hadn't seen him in a long time, and then I run into him at Mecca, and it was like he was so stoked to see me. I was so t- stoked to see him. And then one of the parties kind of breaks up, and he's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Oh, I got to go back to my hotel, and then I'm going to this thing to speak tonight at this other thing." He's like, "Well, I'll give you a ride." I was like, "Oh, killer, dude, great!" I just called Newber. I'll cancel it. And I don't know Uber from a hole in the wall, you know? So I'm like, okay. (laughs) We go out and he has this like fancy car in Denver and he live. he's a Denver boy. Right. And he took me for a ride through the streets of Denver. That was like that Vegas weekend, you know, with F1 this weekend. Yeah. We were like in a Porsche that's so low to the ground. I think it was on two wheels for half of the time, <laughs> going around corners. We cut through a parking garage at one point. It was like a shortcut that he knew. Oh, my God. I was like, holy shit, Rick. You drive like you snowboard. Because he snowboards on like a 187 Dupraz black base, like waxed right up. And he just goes like SFD down everything. Wow. Yeah. The dude is a very fast snowboarder. Wow. Yeah.
0: That yeah, he's scary. He's one of those enigmas, yeah. Where it's like you almost want to hang out just to see well, what's going to happen. Oh yeah, he's, what, uh, what's going to happen? Yeah. You got yeah. a private jet. Let's go. Let's go somewhere. Yeah, he's a neat guy. Yeah, yeah, lot, and he was a lot of good guys. He was very, very nice, and yeah. he uh, was at the 1910 event, and they were you know starting to pack up, and he just kind of went, "I want that, that, and that." Yeah, yeah. which was you know. He's a collector. His
1: snowboard collection is legendary.
0: I asked him which one was his favorite, uh, and uh, maybe I'll put that on the Patreon or something. Yeah, that. (laughs) Yeah, he's
1: he has some. He has quite the collection.
0: He's got quite the collection. Yeah. So you're collecting some stuff here too, Mm -hmm. like uh, sort of. um, Are you serious about it, or is it just like as stuff? Oh yeah,
1: no, my collection's pretty. It's not like Rick Alden's (laughs) or Jeff Patterson's or anything, but like right. Yeah, I got a pretty wicked collection, for sure. And they all mean something to me. Like, I think the older you get, and the more you collect. Like, I started where it was like, oh, wow, 20 bucks for an old ketchup and mustard. I'm going to get that. Like, I'm not going to let that sit. Right. Oh, look at that. A brushy craps. Yeah, garage sale. Pick that up. And then it kind of like, with that Vintage Snowboard Trader Facebook page, it kind of got silly <laughs> it got out of hand <coughs> all of a sudden european dudes are like i'll give you 500 bucks for that old and it was like okay I'm, that's not me right i'm not spending a ton of money on vintage snowboards but then it kind of turned into like well like i kind of i kind of do need a jerry sword though there are some that are important like, i need to ha- <laughs> i need to have that one you know i was like i saw this checker pig i was like I can't let somebody, it's, it's never been on snow. It's never, never been, been mounted. mounted. I was like, this guy was Dom. I bought this from, and I was like, yeah, dude, I I can't let that go to someone else. I need to have this checker pig. So uh, yeah, as a collector now, it's like impulse buys, and I'm kind of a bad dad. And sometimes I probably spend more than I should, but my collection is very esoteric. Yep. And it's like, they're all special boards to me. Like I have that Hetzel with the,
0: trucks on the bottom i have my Red. original nitro pyro 165 i have We're pyro brothers that's yep. one thing that, that one of i my first boards. i had a 55 yep. that i bought from my friend's girlfriend when she crashed into the chalet and said fuck snowboarding i was like are that's you gonna bottom. sell that more I, I think i bought it for 100 or 200 dollars with yep. the with the nitro bindings on it or maybe that burton bindings but you said the 65 was stiff i seem to remember the 55 being kind of right on the like kind of perfect mine was stiff yeah, yeah yeah so it held an edge it rode fast i guess oh yeah mine was like a freestyle little machine yeah but they i mean they made them over several years and there was the jeff davis pyro as well with the kind of cap construction thing mine was the purple and black one with kind of a mayan like Circle yep. on it was so yeah. sick My buddy had the Diablo from that year. Yeah, one eighty. Same year. Yeah, yeah. yeah same year. Yep. Beautiful. They they were beautiful boards. They rode really well for that time. Yeah, when you when you look at what Nitro you- still ride really good. Yeah, actually, I mean, if
1: if you got to pick a brand that's kind of been around for a long time, that's a little bit of a step above, I would put Nitro right in that category with you know Capita and and Burton and you know
0: Mervin uh, Mervin yeah. and
1: I mean they're a top tier company man they're they just sent actually some new boards out benny pellegrino is now their sales manager yeah and he sent i think four boards out and i was looking at them and they're they just came so i haven't ridden them nobody's ridden them but the finish on them is gorgeous they're beautiful looking boards the shapes they're the brian fox kind of oh sick i think there's like three or four of them yep yep um
0: like Man, a series they look
1: really nice i'm looking forward to trying one Oh,
0: that's time. fun yeah i wrote with benny at snowbird yeah which is i've written
1: with benny at snowbird too what an
0: experience psychotic right? so fast oh my god the side hits there <laughs> amazing so amazing fun. yeah and we just randomly bumped into jeff davis oh my god we fucked with him we took his board you know like off the rack and we hit it and then we saw him come out and do the panic thing of like Holy shit. Benny is the best. Though. Benny's the best. No. If listeners have listened to your bomb hole and your airtime, then they might have the wrong idea. that They're you, very, very lonely, you... <laughs> bored people. If <laughs> no, they're they listening to me that. of come all on. these great people. <laughs> in podcast. Oh, yeah. come on. You're a great guest. Absolutely. Oh, um, but they might get the idea that you've never had any mental wellness challenges. Oh yeah. Because no, you're yeah. okay. Yeah. Let's talk about that. You, you want
1: to talk about it. So here's, here's what happened to me. Uh, Crazy story. And it's hard to even like put it into time, but there was a time where our office was down across the street over there. Mm -hmm. You'd park your car, there were some train tracks you crossed, and then you went to the office. And it was like, this is a goddamn snowboarding boot problem, too. I'm going to get to that. (laughs) So I had come down from the lodge. It gets dark early, and I had to run into the office to like sign paychecks. In the old days, I would get a stack of paychecks. Yeah. And being the owner of the business, I was like, I'm signing every one of these paychecks. And I took pride in sometimes trying to remember so I could write a little something on them like, thanks for helping with the transfer. Epic. You know, like just try to like put a little I always appreciated that from bosses if they noticed good work. So sometimes I'd try to like remember things. That's a good time to do it and see how much money you're spending. Yeah. So I park my truck and I go running into the office so I could make it there in time. And and I was wearing these. I'm not gonna say the brand of the boot, but I have bitched the guy out <laughs> who gave me these boots, which is probably a dick move. Uh, but I was concussed, and I run across the tracks. I step on the tracks, and there was like a hard plastic <sighs> piece on the insoles. Yep. And I I stepped on that. It was like soap shoes, soap. and I don't really remember what happened, but I remember kind of like getting to my knees and kind of being like, what the fuck? And then like, okay, okay, uh, okay. And was really confused for a few minutes and then ran into the office and was like, not myself. It was really hard. It's really hard to explain. And the person who was in the office, I was like, I, she's like, are you all right? And I'm like, I don't know if I'm all right. I just fell. I just had a fall and I, I didn't really put it together kind of signed the paychecks and then went home and had a super bad headache. And it kind of went on for a couple of days and I wasn't myself. I wasn't in my right mind, but it was like t- training the next day. Mm. So it was like up to the lodge in front of 80 employees trying to be the leader guy, trying to keep it together and uh we had this really great woman stella who worked up there then and i kind of looked at her and i was like I, i'm not feeling like myself i don't know what's going on but i can you do a little bit so she stepped up and helped a bit and it was like a little weird it's hard to explain unless you've been really concussed but it right. was just like felt like i was walking around on ball bearings for a couple of days and my emotions were weird and it wasn't anger it was like tears were coming out in super weird times mm-hmm. and uh We did finish training and we were just doing the first, one of the first two risk maturities. And I got up in front to tell, I do a little talk on, you know, we do talks in the nights. And I just looked at everyone and just the tears came. And I was like, I can't do this. And I'm a public speaker. Like I'm used to it. Yeah. And I was like, I looked at Pat Moore. I was like, I don't know what's happening dude. And I just like pulled out and went to town, told Paula. I'm like, I think, I think I hit my head. Like I'm fucked up. I don't know what. I don't know what's going on. And so I went to a chiropractor in town and he did, the chiropractors are actually pretty good for concussion stuff. And there's a guy who specializes in that stuff. And he's like, you definitely have a concussion. You should definitely make sure you're hydrated, get plenty of rest. It's kind of like what you'd expect somebody to say. There's no magic pill or like stretch that's going to make a concussion goes away. It's kind of time and it's kind of like
0: pay attention to things. Don't hit your head again.
1: That's So make it through kind of starting to feel good again. And then we have Christmas and we have some friends up there and we have those GT snow racers at the lodge. Yep. And, uh, we had one that was kind of built up with like broken snowboards that were cut off. Oh shit. I literally just wrote it from the sauna down to in front of the lodge. I got right in front of the lodge and like crossed it up and had both my hands on the handlebars and went right over the handlebars and hit my head again. Oh fuck. And, uh, and like this, the weird thing is, as kind of a boss and a dad is like, there is, I can say it now, like, but there's, you don't want to show weakness or vulnerability. And I'm like a sissy, but it was like, <laughs> people need to know that the guy in charge has his shit together. Totally. You know what I mean? Right. Especially when there's like snow safety and things like that going on, even though I'm not guiding, I'm not doing any of that stuff. There's just, I had this in my mind, like I didn't want to share with people that I was like not doing very good hurting and like light hurt my eyes and like having to make decisions was really hard oh wow we had young twins at the time so paula was really stretched stretched out when i walked in the door she she really needed me there you know there wasn't a lot of space and it was like man i can't even tell you things that happened but there was like three two months there where it was really hard to just function you know yeah just like deal like didn't even like there were there would be times where i didn't know why i was in the hardware store and oh, that's wow. not like me at all and right. i'd be like well the fucking toilet needs a new wax ring and i need some of these screws and i need this is my mind and then the helicopter's leaving and so i got to go to the hardware store to get it and i'd be standing in the hardware store just like and tears would come and i'd be like i don't even know like what am i doing here you know what i mean hell yeah like fuck I like what's happening to my brain you know it was like mm. this kind of panic of like I'm I'm not I'm losing my shit you don't have access to the sharpness right that you had before and it was like kind of getting worse you know oh, where it was like am I and so pride gets in the way and you don't want to you know I went back to the chiropractor maybe once or twice and he's like no you're healing up good like you know your eye because they look at your like pupils and they, they got their things they look at You know, and he's like, maybe you should start seeing a therapist, you know, maybe it's something. So started seeing a therapist, talk to him about it a bit. And he gave me, he actually gave me some meditation and some breathing techniques that actually started on that path that really, he was like, when you feel like it's getting out, you know, he's like, that's when it's a cue. Like, just recognize that and like sit in your car. Because when you pull into that driveway and you know, those kids are, you know, Paul is stressed and the kids are loud and whatever. Mm. And the work is there. He's like, breathe it out. Just take 10 breaths and just like slow down. Walk in on your own terms. Don't walk in a victim to this or whatever. It was great advice. Great therapist I, I saw and still see. Um, And it took some time. It definitely took some time. And I stopped drinking right then. I was like, that's enough. That's not going to help anything.
0: Yeah, that'll exhaust that And that, that helped that a lot, situation. I think.
1: And uh, kind of got pretty serious about it. You know, what I put into my body, I was, like, being better at that stuff. Um, You know, still probably ate more meat than I should have and not enough vegetables. (laughs) But that's what happens when you're from where I'm from. Um, (laughs) I grew up eating out of boxes. (laughs) Uh, But it took a solid chunk of time, six months, nine months of, like, you know, hubba hubba hubba. And then slowly you start recognizing, like, okay, I'm – i'm I'm doing good man i'm i'm stoked i'm making some good decisions but um it was a really shitty shitty hard way to go through life i have the utmost um empathy for people who have brain injury and um you know undiagnosed issues and stuff man when you when your shit's not working right it is a shitty place to approach every other thing Mm -hmm. and uh and that's when you got to just hit the brakes and take the time to be like, I need some help. I need to go to that chiropractor. I need to go to that therapist. I need to learn some new tools to navigate these things. Right. And I think, um, you know, good piece of advice is like, just take all the kind of booze and weed and things out of the equation. Cause that doesn't really help.
0: It's interesting. You know what I mean? It's interesting because there's a, there's a brand of, um, media these days are just a brand of people that i was talking with al clark about it he's like what happened to the like drinking is fun woohoo let's party guys like where the hell are they i'm like they're younger i think (laughs) they are but those it's
1: not like it used to be and that's a thing man and we weren't like dude our parents went so much harder than like we we went hard sure but drinking out of sadness and drinking out of like war related right things. and right, the shit they right. have to deal with and they turn to the bottle mm-hmm. completely different than what we dealt with and now the next generation um i watch i was talking to alex about it this morning our cfo is 27 he's a great guy he's like kind of like you know walking the path and i'm like what the hell you guys don't even like get like waste it anymore and like do stupid shit right yeah we do but like we kind of know we've all seen how that story ends i think i think they do it out of celebration and because it's a really fun night but they don't do it like we did it where it was like beer bongs and every
0: night and like you know all the dumb shit we we did yeah i I don't even know how to characterize it but like and it's a good thing yeah, sure, it, Sure, it's a good thing, for sure. And when you talk
1: to Estelle, you'll see it. Like She has no interest in living that lifestyle. Yeah,
0: my kids uh, yeah. the same. My daughter moved to Montreal for school. She went to Concordia for a year when she was 18. Mm-hmm. So at 18, you can drink in Montreal. Like, Quebec's 18. Yeah. She didn't drink at all. Yeah. I was like, what are you doing? You could be partying like crazy. Yeah. She was like, I'm trying to get back into UBC. <laughs> I'm trying to get back to BC. Yeah. So she did really well in her. You know, and it's just not their mode. I don't know what it was that we I – I, I can't put my finger on my irresponsible drinking where it came from. It and, seemed like a show off kind of like – It was fun as hell. It was fucking fun yeah. as fuck. Um, you know, and got away with it to an extent, I guess. But
1: I, yeah. I look back at it and I'm like – even accomplishing all these things that I can kind of stack up and be super proud of the things I accomplished. Sometimes I'm kind of also like, I wonder what I would have accomplished if I <laughs> sure, had sure. my shit a little or, bit tighter.
0: Or you know? who knows, who knows um, maybe it wouldn't have worked out because you wouldn't have been so loose right? making those decisions. Right? I think you're still facilitating from what I can hear. You're still facilitating those experiences at the lodge. Look, right? if you
1: want to, the thing I love about, the Lodge, men, men, I love many things about the Lodge, but like <laughs> nobody's driving drunk. Right. Nobody's getting in fights. Right. Nobody's cheating on their wives. Nobody's like, you. we don't, we just simply, or very rarely do we get the belliger- belligerent kind of <laughs> asshole drunk. Right. We, we don't book people like that. And, and people are up there to have a really good time with their buddies, and there's great snowboarding the next day or skiing, right. whatever it is. Right. And so it's kind of a perfect place if you want to have that extra scotch at the end of the night or, you know, have a few beers. It's like, it's actually a, a good place to do that and get a bit loose. Yeah. And um, generally, you know, 49 times out of 50. 490 times out of 500 it's a great experience you know and it works out great and um occasionally actually last last new year's we we get some people that kind of go to the dark
0: side sure sure it happens
1: and i call them out on it yeah and i'm like you're being an asshole you know and i'm here to tell you like i'm sober i I don't mind telling you like you're on the other side of the line right now right you know and they've learned from that they've A couple guys that were kind of kooks last year at New Year's both wrote me these really heartfelt letters that were like, wow, I really needed that. I'm, I really respect you and being looked at in the eye and told I was on the other side, really hit home, and I appreciate it, and I needed to be told that. So I, it's like I'm I'm stoked that we created a place like that where people can bond and it loosens everybody up and all that kind of stuff. I,
0: I see it. It's dope. Yeah. yeah. I've and done I, enough of it myself. Yeah. Well, that's the I, thing. I
1: love it when I see people connecting. Like
0: yeah. That. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is that people went dark all the time when <laughs> we were just partying too hard. Right. Like, <laughs> and you could deal with it. We had a resilience yeah. around it, but then you do. Sometimes it does feel good to give yourself a bit of a shake. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, I went way too hard last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did I say to that dude? Yeah. Holy shit. Well, when you're stuck in the cat with them too, it also gives
1: you the opportunity to be like, dude, I'm sorry. I didn't really mean that. I know. Right, I think right. I was, being I was a bit of a dick. Hammered. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, Can you yeah. forgive me? Like, <laughs> yeah, that takes a lot of strength to do that. But boy, does that, those words
0: mean so much to somebody when they hear them in a mm-hmm. place like that. So. And I mean, where we came from, and I'm projecting this on you, but the story I tell myself about where I came from, drinking and partying was a part of being yeah. a snowboarder. Like you were on vacation all the time you were traveling around and meeting people and getting loose, you know, like it, it was, uh, there were so few top tier pros that couldn't also drink you under the table. Um, And that's just, it doesn't lend itself to professional training. You know, like if you had a coach, the first thing the coach is going to say is like, Okay, you can't drink this season or whatever. Totally different world now. Yeah. The athletes yeah.
1: that we get out to the lodge now are, I'm just so proud of them all. They're so great. And they get loose. Don't, like that natural selection party was loose. Like <laughs> do not get me wrong. Rad. And that's a great place to do it. And they all earn their, their whatever they want to do. But like yeah. also um, they take it pretty seriously. Like, you know, uh, what was I just listening? Oh, I was listening to um, Mike Hatchett's bomb hole, which was epic dope uh and he kind of called it out where he was like you know you want to be a professional snowboarder you should start with being really fucking good at snowboarding hell yeah and there's a lot of people that kind of have seats at the table right now that probably shouldn't have seats at the table sure if anything we should shrink it up because uh, i know a lot of those super elite riders men and women And they really put a lot of time into their craft, like all their time. Like they're dreaming about it. They're thinking about it. They're training. They're riding, you know, in the Southern Hemisphere in the summer. They're training. They're trying. They're, you know, I really have a lot of respect for those guys because that didn't happen in our time. It was pure personality and stees that got you through that. Right.
0: Yeah. Palmer was like, I did a lot of my stuff on natural talent and just sheer, you know, fortitude. Yeah. And he was considered one of the best athletes in the world, yeah never trained, yeah, just party I actually that's not true i can't I can't speak for what his training regiment was. He did train really hard to make the last Olympics that he went to and he kicked all of his vices and yeah I, and his Achilles got him in the end and fuck it was just a nightmare <laughs> but but I
1: mean he, he peed ca- on my leg one time. <laughs> You uh, got a bomber story of him being i have on a story of him i don't think he know if i've never met him i mean i did meet him there and yep. i'm sure he's a super nice guy now but uh back when we were all drunk i was playing foosball with tim manning and him and uh halapoff decided they wanted the table next and we were like well you got to beat us and then we were playing and the next thing i know someone was peeing on my leg i turned around i'm like what the fuck are you doing <laughs>
0: what a story yeah oh it was my pretty God. Funny.
1: Yeah, and I'm not sure if it was Palmer or Halipov actually. To be fair, but it was one sure. of those guys. Was
0: sure. just like they had had enough of us. They were like, "We'll show you how to get out of the." Pool. You <laughs> bought a house in Kings Beach. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, I that love that, place. that uh, there's there's one particular mexican food place there oh yeah that um well there's Los panchitas but then there's the mexican market the mexican market does wet burritos that's that's Uh, it the wet burrito there yeah i know it's worth driving there right now getting the wet burrito and if there's one thing that
1: nelson does not have it's good mexican
0: food okay when i travel uh, it's a problem we can get a bliss ball though right we can get some sort of yeah we can get hippie like hemp,
1: hemp carob energy balls all but no
0: good Donovan's no yeah Donovan. it's it's burger month right now so i'm gonna go for a burger with my buddy about this pretty dope yeah yeah I, I hear that's pretty awesome but yeah so king's beach i think i heard you say that the housing prices didn't really blast off there at they first. blasted
1: off enough for me to start the business which yeah, was cool yeah. but i got out from underneath it that's a really a long story i know you don't want to go that long on the podcast uh that's a long story but But yeah what was it
0: like living in king's beach and who else is there tom burt's living in the tom burt lived nearby yeah um the hatchets are just up the road hatchets were just up the road wade hoyt r.i.p
1: he lived there tim manning Mm -hmm. ruben sanchez Mm. ij valenzuela wow paul eggers dana mccorkle we were all like this kind of crew sky faucet um we were all this like amazing crew sunday hauser was there they were all like a little you know there was like a I don't know, it did kind of feel like us against the world back then, and I was definitely like on the outside of the really great snowboarders that were going all sure. the time, and uh, it was it was amazing, man. It was a really special time to come up.
0: And Would you guys pick a resort and get a, everybody gets a pass at one place, like Homewood? Or everyone or wanted Dor- squaw passes, or- but then Homewood was where yeah. we all really went. And there was a lady, Becky
1: Moore, who was in charge of uh, marketing at Squash. She was awesome. And then she went to Homewood and Tahoe Snowboard Series started going to Homewood. We'd go to Mount Rose and then travel. And you'd go to like Bear Valley or you'd go down to Dodge Ridge or you'd go to Kirkwood. And those were like, oh, big deal. We're going to go down and check it out down to Heavenly or whatever it was. Sick. But North Shore and South Shore were pretty different places. And then Boreal had night riding so a lot and it was really cheap it was like a hundred bucks for a night pass at boreal oh wow it was a snowboard, whatever so like lots of riding up at boreal which meant like a lot of people were into jumping and 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 side hits and riding but like me and my buddy ij and tim to an extent like we would go to donner for the boreal night stuff but then just go hike the road during the day Dope. So go up at like two o'clock in the afternoon, get some pow, and then go to Jabassi. That
0: road's insane. Yeah. And I, the other yeah. side of the road from Boreal.
1: Yeah. And go hike up towards Castle Peak and that stuff up there. Unfucking believable. Yeah, those are really cool days. I and I we got away with murder as far as like being idiots in the backcountry back then. Right. Learn learning, 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 but like, oh my God. My it, it was Buffy that really like switched it over for oh, you right yeah. Dude, when i first yeah buffery yeah i have yeah buffery turned on a f- bunch of lights for me for sure
0: what of like snow yoda whatever you want to like just i don't like know that he snow
1: yoda like a, uh you know his a
0: beam of light yeah, yeah. he is a human <laughs> okay <laughs> very human
1: okay. yeah yeah and um yeah i don't know sometimes they spin people together for the right reasons i really love john a lot and he has been like such a positive uh uh role model on me um yeah i don't know i can't i could can do i could talk a lot about buff uh <laughs> but you know when i first met him he was a telemarker oh wow little known fact really yeah we made endless fun of him his nickname was tumbleweed <laughs> Because he had crazy hair that would stick out from his thing, and when he'd ragdoll on the on the uh, telemarking skis, it looked like a tumbleweed going sure. down the hill. It was wow, like sticks and hair and shit everywhere. It was pretty great. That was Craig. Gave him that nickname.
0: Unfucking believable. Yeah, tumbleweed. And, uh,
1: yeah, his he had a company called Safety Wrangler. When he would do movie work, but behind his back we called him the safety mangler. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> he's a regular dude. We all fuck with each other, you know. Yeah,
0: well, that's yeah. that's one of the things. I don't know if you see it. You would know because you ha- you see these groups come up at the lodge. Like there was a lot of fuckery back in the nineties. Oh my god, like so much. Is it still there? Like yeah. do they still okay? They still we still fuck with each other all the yeah. time. Yeah, I mean you guys, but to the younger generation, like oh, is yeah. Mark Week Morris putting ketchup in someone's boots yeah. or? Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, same same shit. Uh, it evolves. Yeah. Have, you know, they have
1: social media to fuck with each other now, too. Oh, wow. Of course. Uh, so there's pictures that get taken, that get posted, that get uh, deleted real quick in the morning. <laughs> there's like, yeah, there's they all fuck with
0: each other pretty good. Ah, uh, that's all have cool. Pretty good time.
1: I worry about the um, pressure they put upon
0: themselves sometimes. With the me- social media aspect or just? Just with the, like, they get
1: to be pretty,
0: like, I knew Mark before he was- Hey, buddy,
1: we're just finishing up. You can come in.
0: How was it? Oh, awesome. The <laughs> She's all lit up. That's great. Nice. Oh, amazing. Um,
1: that's Estelle. They can't see. That's no. Estelle walking in here next. Yeah. Hi. Um, the, you know, Mark was like seventeen the first time I met him. Sage too, and they get so much like, uh, oh, you're the next Sean White, or mm. you're the next mm-hmm. this and that. And it, it's a lot of weight on those guys as they're coming up. And, you know, one of the things we're going to talk about at Risk Maturity this year is, um, you know, mental health. Mark Landvik's going to come up and do a little bit of talk on his journey. Very cool. But also uh, financial literacy is a huge thing we're trying to push in Risk Maturity this year. Because speaking of Jamie, you know, like he made a million dollars and didn't necessarily – nobody ever kind of clued him in that he had to pay taxes on that. Right. You know, and it's just like
0: guys.
1: A lot of these guys don't come up with like money or – uh, parents that, like, teach them that stuff. God knows the schools don't teach shit about financial literacy. No. And it's the one thing that's, like, it's everybody's responsibility. Like, you have to pay your taxes. You have a great day. Remember, the government's taking, like, half of it. Mm-hmm. You, win a, you win a car in a contest and you win a check for $10,000, like $5,000 of that is going to the government. Right. You better just start understanding that right out of the gate. Right. And so I worry about a lot of those guys because, like, they think the ride's going to last forever forever. And the thing is, if you spend it all, they're still going to come after you to pay your taxes on that money.
0: Yeah, you still owe so, it. So,
1: you know, there's, there's, I, I worry about a lot of those guys. And I'm going to try to work and just as much as we risk maturity on the avalanche side and on the riding side, I really want to start helping some of these guys um, develop a path towards financial independence as well. I couldn't believe money.
0: how like next level your talk to scoff and scotty about 1910 about write a business plan like it was just like you were just running this off the top of your head but i was like i need to be writing this down this is like the most poignant and like boiled down to a to its core tenants philosophy that i'd heard about business I was just going, holy shit, I need to I need to I've learned a lot. redo my whole thing. Actually,
1: Eric, I here's a, here's a big piece of news. I've been talking with the good folks over at Snowboard Magazine. Mm-hmm. They just had their 20th year, which is great. That they're still going good. Yeah. Um, I was talking with Lucky and uh John over there. And I am going to start something like a column or maybe a podcast. But the idea is this. I'm going to go to some brands that are not around anymore. Mm. I'd love to get like Rob Morrow on like Joel Gomez on uh, like Trent Bush on and start being like, let's do a little post-mortem on sessions. Wow. What happened? What a great idea. From a business perspective. Yeah. Let's get, um, you know, let's get Trent Bush. Talk about wave rave. Let's get Rob Mm -hmm. to talk about Morrow twist. Yeah. Yeah. Justin to talk about twist. Like Rob's ready to go right now. I've been
0: speaking with Rob. We did two hours on the phone, just talking. So I'm going to
1: start doing these things. We're talking about calling it rise and fall, or it might be called like friendier or something like that. But I want to start like diving in so that we can all learn from these Sick. amazing experiences. And I think Sick. there's enough water under the bridge on a lot of them. Chip yep. Kip Barnett, you know, like there's so many great brands
0: that seem like they were going to last chip forever. Wilson West right? beach. Cause West beach. then he's got the post West beach story right. as well. Right. But West well, I'll have Kip to work my, my way deal. up to get chip on my <laughs> show. <laughs> no, big I'll give deal. you his number. Just give me a know, But
1: like, that's kind of yeah. something that I think we could do. And then through learning from that, we can start Passing on some literacy uh, in the finance world Dude, to people. yeah, you're um, the right guy to do yeah, it, yeah. right? That's kind of and and
0: sure. I realize now because you went to school for ski mountain management, what yeah. was it? Ski resort management? Yeah. Like that. that is a thing. There are like, what, 20 ski resorts? I don't know, a couple of hundred. But like how many people are in that class? It seems like... That would be not a, a small big class. class. They're not teaching it there anymore. I just found out. Right now it's
1: here at um, Oh Sulker College. They have a two year program. Oh shit! But uh, so it's still it's basically HRR like a hotel resort restaurant yes. management. Yeah, um, with the emphasis on the ski side. and You learn a little bit of operations, but yeah,
0: it was but great. that was invaluable to you, obviously, yep. because you hit the ground with a with the knowledge of like, okay, I've, I need to do spreadsheets. I need to do <laughs> <like> cost <laughs> analysis reports.
1: Uh yeah, I kind of – yeah,
0: yeah. I knew some of that stuff. Most, I didn't, people, don't, most yeah. people don't know anything about that. This is what I take for granted. Right? Life, yeah. Exactly. Like even – I saw Scotty just like, you know, jot it down. Like mm, I know. Actually, I have yeah. a
1: call with him tomorrow.
0: Good. I sit in on a lot of calls with a lot of entrepreneurs and
1: try to just help, um, help come up with a plan make some achievable goals, give them the tools so that they can measure whether they're making their goals and if they're coming up. So it's like half of it is like a really smart business partner I had, Henry Fisher. He was awesome. And he always referred to business as like flying a plane. And it's like, actually taking off in the plane isn't really the hard part. Achieving level flight is kind of hard. Navigating where you want to go is kind of hard. And putting it back down on the ground is super hard (laughs) yeah. and you need instruments on the dashboard that you know Mm. how to read and you know how to manipulate in order to safely land the plane where you want to go. And if you take off and you don't know how to fucking (laughs) push and pull on the things and what the dials are, you have very little chance of landing that plane where
0: you intended to take it off. You'll land it right in the side of the mountain. Right. At top speed. So a lot of the guys that started snowboard companies their destination was get. It I just ground. want to be rich, and I just so want like, to fly let's, up. Let's into fly up into it. the sky. That's, that's it. it. And then the plane just went, but boom. That's right. Right. So, like, I love the idea of going back through these iconic brands yeah. because you know something like session said they're still going, but they had like a twenty-year run right. where it everything looked like it was in place. Yeah. Look at Sims. Like Sims always just felt like it was this far away from being yeah. this huge. Oh, the, the name,
1: the companies go, there's so many cool ones. And so many of those entrepreneurs come out to the lodge and now they're like, I know one guy started like cold plunge pools when they started, he's killing it with that right now. You know, all these guys get into other
0: businesses. They don't just quit. Yeah. 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 And now we're getting to that nostalgia stage where I know um, I think it's Tim from board of authority. He's like, they made money in another way. And he's like, I'm going to give another crack at, board of authority with what i know now. Nice. You know, so they're opening a board of authority in uh in Whistler. And we're, you know, with it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, the people that came out of snowboarding, out of that culture in every walk of life like with those skills, that skill set of dropping in really is what it is of like actually living life. Yeah. And they lived life in, you know, Derek height in film or whoever. It's that mindset is is different. And I used to think of it kind of as the sideways stance board sports mentality, right? It came from surfing. It evolved in skateboarding and then snowboarding as well. But I think snowboarding was different in that it formed in the vacuum of the financial, you know, like people tr- making money. Like yeah. brands were started to make money. Yeah. Right, whereas a lot of brands in surfing and skateboarding, when you mentioned Jerry Lopez, sure they made money with the Lightning Bolt brand, but they also had to keep it in check. Whereas there are brands that are still going now that were started to be a money brand and are still being run as a money yeah. brand.
1: Well, that's what I'll be diving into when I get my shit together and
0: do it. Doing these things. Yeah. But- when it when do you have a do you have an estimated start date for that? No. I'm going to find some time and write some thoughts down and Sick. probably start with a
1: couple of, uh, written things. And then w- the, my idea is like, while I'm at the lodge, I have these people up there, so I'll sit them down for an hour and
0: dude. Uh, yeah. Well, if you need any help setting it up, let me know. I sure will. love doing that stuff. That's sure so will. much fun. Yeah. 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 I mean, setting up Ethan, I set up uh Kendra at sunshine with, they're doing a podcast now. Nice. So you just get your gear up. That's it. Oh, I I usually, what I do is I just do this. And then I go, okay, now you're gonna operate this, this, and this. Nice. And then you interview. Well, Estep. luckily
1: I've got Dustin and Steph up there. Oh yeah. They're so insane. Got,
0: yeah, of course. You've already yeah. got the team. Yeah, they're just yeah. they'll figure it's, that shit out. Yeah, that's so sick. Yeah. Right on. Well, thank you very much no for doing problem. the it's show. Pleasure. Thanks for I having love me in your, your office. Oh, yep. that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's means it means the world to me. You're you're one of the shining bright lights in the snowboard community. And I've heard a lot of amazing shit you've done behind the scenes for a lot of people that are really important to our community. And with, you know, and I don't want to even talk about it because it's just something that you do for the good of all of us, which is, dude, I can't even I appreciate it on, on behalf of the whole community, like, dude. You well, are where you are for a reason. It's a pleasure to it's a pleasure to sit here with you ah, in this cool. amazing office in this amazing town. Look at And this.
1: now you get to actually have an intelligent conversation <laughs> with somebody who probably has better insights than this old buzzard.
0: I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> right thanks, Eric. Thank you. Appreciate it. F and rad shout outs this week to Jeff Pensiero and special thanks to the entire bald-faced crew. I left the offices with epic swag and a huge smile on my face from seeing all the amazing 90s boards that Jeff has tucked in every corner of the warehouse. Congratulations, Hanky Donneberg, who won a signed Devin Walsh Wired Snowboard as our Patreon November Prize Draw winner. We've got 20 Patreon supporters, and I'd be so stoked to add 20 more in December so if you're looking for a Christmas present for yourself, <laughs> that would also be a Christmas present to me, just saying. And if you want a free sample of New Greens Superfood Organic Green Juice, simply tag New Greens and two friends in any FNRAD post. Be sure to come back next week for more FNRAD snowboarding presented by Skyview Campers and brought to you by FNRAD Productions.